morning, church, and um, welcome to all who are worshipping with us this morning uh, through live stream. And as Daniel said, we hope that more will return to in-person worship because um, that's what's happening everywhere, right? Nothing like worshipping in a house of God. Better one day in the house of God than a thousand elsewhere, right? Amen? Amen. And um, I want to thank Mrs. Angela Kong for this uh, invitation to speak this morning, to bring God's word to you, and also to Pastor Shen for pulpit time to do this. As uh, Angela mentioned, the theme for MW for this year is fervent in spirit. And it's uh, taken from the scripture passage, read. Um, it's Romans, actually from exactly from Romans 12, verse 11. You know, um, during the MW conference last year, which you all saw some pictures of, um, the speaker for the conference was uh, Pastor Loli Chu uh, from SIBKL. And uh, she touched on being fervent in spirit, you know, as a woman and uh, in submission and to build the men in their lives. So men, be assured, when women get together, right, good things happen and they are taught good things for your benefit. And so this morning, I've chosen to um, speak from the Romans uh, passage chapter 12, the beginning and uh, a bit in the middle, to, uh, you know, to explain what it means to be fervent in spirit, more so in being than doing. You know, when we talk about fervent in spirit, normally we talk, wow, someone is so passionate. Someone is on fire for God. But today's message is focusing more on how we can be as a person a child of God, a disciple of Christ, in being fervent in spirit. Let us pray. Father, as your servant speaks, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to anoint my lips, to proclaim your word. And Lord, I pray for your spirit to prepare the hearts and minds of the listeners, both here and those online, that Lord, you will speak to them and prepare their hearts and minds to receive your word and not only to listen to your word but be doers of your word and all this i pray in jesus name amen first of all some definitions taken from uh, the cambridge and merriam webster dictionaries to be fervent is to have fervor with strong and sincere beliefs and to have zeal marked by great intensity and passion Right, some of you may be able to relate to this because you are already serving fervently right, in church. And to be fervent in spirit is to have spiritual fervor, to be on fire, which only the Holy Spirit can ignite in a believer. But friends, we must know where that spiritual fervor comes from. Spiritual fervor can only come from the Holy Spirit, not from ourselves. And it begins when we become Christians, when we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and uh, to dwell in our lives. You know, um, the beginning of spiritual fervor 
should begin. And how do we define servanthood? Believers serving God sacrificially, humbly, and willingly, using their spiritual gifts, passion, and devotion in ministering to others. As you have heard from Angela's report, the MW are very active in uh, serving in the community, in the church, and uh, they are also being, right, I, um, in their prayer meetings, in their small groups. But friends, we are in the middle of the land season. Let us, as we listen to God's word, reflect on our own spiritual walk with the Lord. Lent is a time when we reflect how we are doing, what is the spiritual condition of our lives. And I, I think, um, you know, the, the Spirit has led me to talk about very well-known um, areas, you know, of our spiritual life. But sometimes we ignore, we neglect, and, uh, you know, we, we decline. So as, as I speak, I just pray that the, the Holy Spirit will speak to each one of you, right? MW Sunday is a celebration for, of Methodist women, but the message applies to both men and women. So men, please don't fall asleep, eh? Spiritual fervor is developed from, firstly, an intimate relationship with God through knowing God through scriptures to build a solid foundation of biblical truth. We know that it is only through scriptures that we can know the attributes of God. How else can we know God except through scriptures? We can't know God by doing things. We can't know God by, you know, um, just one spiritual discipline, right? And uh, through God's word, we know his character we know his promises. We know his prophecies. And when we communicate with God, we communicate with God through prayer. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It is so important to communicate with God because in any relationship, whether between spouses, whether between parent and child, whether between uh, teammates in a team, or boss and uh, employee or colleagues, communication is so important to keep a relationship alive and healthy so that the relationship will be fruitful. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, you know, uh, just now Daniel said he knew, he knew of me as a teenager when he was 12, 13. I was very active in church at the age of 15. And at the age of 15, I brought a Malaysian girl to, to church. And she comes from a Buddhist background. And, uh, you know, within a short while, she was talking to me about a personal relationship with God. And I'm the one who brought her to church. I didn't know what she was talking about. And it just dawned on me, all I'm doing in church is activity. I didn't have this intimate personal relationship with God, which can only be established through the study of God's word regularly, 
through prayer, through spiritual disciplines. And you know what happened? I left the church. Um, like how Daniel described me, I'm a bit uh, strong-headed. So I felt like a hypocrite. And I left the church because um, I didn't have this relationship with God. I didn't have the foundation that I need to anchor my faith on. And when doubt came in, you know, I just left the church. And God called me back to the church 15 years later at the age of 30. That one, uh, you have to invite me another day uh, to tell you the testimony. And to cut the story short, the first thing when I was called back to the church, I searched for a regular Bible study group, which was then a Wednesday ladies' Bible study on a Wednesday morning. So, young ladies, if you are not part of any committee or you are new in this church, do join the MW in their Bible study, in their prayer meetings, huh, which Angela spoke about. And uh, if you want to know more, how to nurture your faith if you are young Christians. It is good to belong to a group, to encourage one another, to nurture one another. So I'm on a membership campaign for Angela. And um, an intimate relationship with God is also developed through revelations by the Holy Spirit through meditation to have the spiritual discernment and perception. John 16, 13 tells us, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears and He will tell you what is yet to come. You know, we can never discern unless the Holy Spirit discerns for us. On our own, by the flesh, we will normally discern wrongly. But when we depend on the Holy Spirit, when we are still before the Lord, and when we can hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you know, the promptings of the Holy Spirit is very gentle and very, I mean, very quiet. You know, it's not like God is going to shout at you. And these these are the ways where God guides us, you know, through our discernment by the help of the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to the next point, which is to maintain a regular time for daily devotions, to sit at God's feet, to learn His ways. You know, um, when I was first called back to church, um, I suppose I had a spiritual gift or two and so I was asked to do this, do that, you know, join this committee and hate this, hate that. And so the activity built up again. And uh, it came to a point when, you know, I think it was uh, Bishop, uh, the, uh, Bishop Emeritus Ong Hwai Tik, our previous bishop of the Methodist Church in Malaysia. He was preaching on Martha and Mary. And uh, during that sermon, I, I, I just felt impacted that. And, you know, the Lord just told me that I am more of a Martha than Mary. And what did Jesus say to Mary? You chose the better. And therefore, friends, we need to sit at the feet of Jesus to maintain a regular time of communing with Him through prayer, through listening to Him. And that is how 
you know, we can grow spiritually and that is how spiritual fervour can grow from. Next slide, please. You know, um, spiritual fervour is also developed from obedience to God's commandments. This is very, uh, this is common knowledge to most Christians. The first and the second greatest commandments. Can I test you all? What is the first greatest commandment? Love? It's all on the slide. Right. Can you read it out? Second. You know, what letter is this? L. Very easy to remember. L stands for love. And the vertical part of L represents our vertical relationship with God. The horizontal part of L represents our horizontal relationship with one another. Our neighbour can be our family, our friends, our church members, right? our colleagues and people in the community. And um, when our love, and when we claim to love God, we must love people. We cannot, scriptures tell us we cannot love God whom we cannot see when we claim to love God, when we don't love people. So the L must, be, must exist at all times. You cannot say, oh, I love God first. Yes, it starts with loving God. And when you truly love God, it will translate to loving people. All right? And if you see someone claiming to love God, and then their action, their attitude, their choice of words does not reflect love for, for people, you know, it's questionable. Mother Teresa said, not all of us, next slide please, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. I don't have to say who Mother Teresa is. She was, she's one of the greatest humanitarians of the 20th century. And she showed tremendous love to the suffering in Calcutta through her ministry. And these are all the unwanted people. So not all of us can be Mother Teresa's, but I think we can start by showing love to people in need of love. And we are instruments of God's love. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Spiritual fervour is also developed from transformation through sanctification. You know, when we become Christians, as I mentioned earlier on, we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And the Holy Spirit starts working in our lives. And we must allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us because our spiritual journey is a journey of sanctification to perfection. But of course we know we will never reach perfection. Only Christ is perfect. But we mustn't think that, oh, I'm, I'm never going to be perfect, forget it. We must strive to be perfect, like to be Christ-like. 
And Philippians 2, uh, chapter 2, 12 to 13 says, we, Paul tells the, the church in Philippia to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in according to his good purpose. You know, our whole spiritual journey is a process of sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is, um, you know, a, a transformation in our lives to be Christ-like. And only the Holy Spirit, once again, can do that. In Ephesians chapter 4, 22 to 24, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In uh, the passage, in the passage uh, read to us, in Romans 12.2, it also says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to know the will of God. His good and pleasing will. Now, when we go through sanctification, our mind gets renewed. Our, our mind is not so easily influenced by the world. And that is how we can become Christ-like. And in turn, we become new creations. When we are transformed, renewed in our minds, we become new creations and we will have spiritual fervor to serve God and His people. In the... <clears throat> You know, it's like, uh, how many of you go to the gym? Right, we either go to the gym to keep fit. Younger people, you go to the gym to buff up, right? So you are more attractive. Yeah, I was telling Daniel, he lost weight. He must be going to the gym too. And, um, <clears throat> you know, when we talk about working out our salvation, it's like a salvation workout, it's like a gym workout. You need to be disciplined. You need to prioritize, right? You have to make time to go to the gym. And you have to be disciplined in your diet, in your exercise program, to follow it diligently. Likewise, in our spiritual life, we need the spiritual disciplines mentioned earlier on, right? To know God's Word, to pray, to meditate, and to just be still before God. To build our spiritual muscles, Secondly, spiritual fervor is marked, all right? These are characteristics of spiritual fervor. You know, when you see someone uh, fervently serving and everything, it must be accompanied by these characteristics. Spiritual fervor is marked by sacrificial and holy living. You know, we cannot uh, become Christians and choose to remain status quo in our lifestyles we must be willing to make sacrifices. You know, the fact you're here this morning, 
you know, you are here to worship God, that is a sacrifice. I remember before my husband became a Christian, whenever I invite him to come to church, I, I was a Christian first, and he didn't become a Christian until, you know, his father passed away. Again, that one you have to invite me again to tell you the testimony. And uh, when, whenever I asked him, you know, he said, no, 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 you go. Uh, I, I, I'm going to play golf or he'll sleep in. But when he, the Holy Spirit touched him after the father's death, he got up to attend church and never stopped since. <clears throat> and I'm talking about 28 years ago. So friends, congratulate yourself that the fact that you're here worshipping God you are choosing, you are making the sacrifice to come, the sacrifice of time. You prioritize your time to make Sunday worship important in your life and to know that, you know, to know God is pleased with that. The believer's response to God's grace and mercy is personal sacrifice that will strengthen personal relationships as well and your relationship with God. So it's not only a sacrifice to be in church. We have to make sacrifices in our personal relationships, you know, when, when you are a servant of God. You die to self and worldly desires of the flesh. As in Titus 2, 11 to 12, it says, where are my scripture verses? In Titus 2, 11 to 12, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. And um, Oswald Chambers, and, uh, a Scottish uh, Baptist evangelist of the 20th, early 20th century said this, there is actually one thing you can dedicate to God, and that is the right to yourself. So our calling to holiness demands that we be passionate about purity, love, and sincerity. And in Romans 12:9, it tells us, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, Cling to what is good. Sacrificial and holy living leads us to spiritual growth and maturity. When we conform to the likeness of Christ, when we bear the fruit of the Spirit, that is evidence of spiritual growth and maturity. And again, Oswald Chambers said, Spiritual maturity is not reached by passing of years, but by obedience to God's will. God's will is for us to live sacrificial and holy lives. And in the, in the passage read to us, it says that that is our true and proper worship. God does not demand us to sacrifice bulls and rams anymore. Right? But to offer our lives as living sacrifices to 
pleasing to him to his will. Spiritual fervor is also marked by humble submission. You know, genuine, genuine humility is submission to God's commands in obedience. Genuine humility is free of pretense. Sincere concern for the good of others shown in genuine willingness to serve others. You know, um, today the, the example, the illustrations that I'm using are all women because it's Methodist Women's Sunday. And I want to use the, the illustration of a mother, the mother of Jesus, Mary. When Angel Gabriel called upon her to tell her that she is chosen to be the mother of the Son of God, can you imagine how she felt? She was a virgin. And she, I believe, is betrothed to Joseph already, right? She risked she risk, um, shame. She risked uh, uh, brokenness in her relationship with Joseph and the uncertainty of the future. And yet, and yet she said this, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary submitted totally to God's will for her life. How many of us are willing to do that if we are given a very daunting task? We will think twice. We may, we may, be, we may think months. We may think years before we answer God's call. But you know, I've always been very impressed by the young adults of this church. I remember when I was conference lay leader, Daniel and Chongjin were the only young adult leaders in LCC, I think chairman and lay leader, right, Daniel? Those days. And that was the time when Track was crying out for young adults to rise up in leadership. Because when we did a survey, Practically, most churches do not even have one young adult sitting in LCC. And here, Trinity Penang has a couple of young adults taking very, very key positions, you know, in the LCC. And I congratulate all of you, people who are responsible to encourage them, to empower them. For truly, I believe, even at their young ages, like Mary, they submitted to God's call. Young adults are very busy. I, I, have, a, I have young adult children. And, uh, you know, uh, they're all serving the Lord fervently. Thank, I, I praise the Lord for that. And I know that they really need to carve out time, carve out time to serve God in the calling that God has given to them. And so, um, the not-so-young in the congregation of Trinity uh, Penang, do appreciate the young adults and um, for all that they are doing, not only in leadership, but in whatever way they are building up the body of Christ. For as members of a church, all of us are parts of the body of Christ and all of us have a part to play. 
all of us have a role to play, not only the LCC chairman and lay leader, right? not only LCC uh, members. So let us, in humble submission, answer the call that God may place on you to do His will. And humble submission is also considering others better than ourselves, be other-centered and not self-centered. You know, it's, uh, it's more human nature to be self-centered, right? We think of ourselves, I, me, mine, and uh, others last. Maybe family, for mothers especially, yeah, mothers amongst uh, uh, the women today, mothers especially, you know, we think of our children first before ourselves. I speak as a mother of three. <laughs> and therefore, and therefore, as we die, as we, uh, as we die to self, oh, sorry, no. As we consider others better than ourselves, in Philippians, in Philippians 2, 3 to 4, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Friends, if we are able to look at the interests of others above ourselves, you definitely have spiritual fervor. And Spiritual fervor in humble submission, we submit all aspects of our lives to Jesus as Lord of our lives. And C.S. Lewis, the author of Chronicles of Narnia, said this, True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Okay? So much wisdom. Thirdly, spiritual fervor is marked by servanthood. So the word servant is mentioned 900 times in the Bible. You may not know that. I, I teach this at JS every year, so I, I kind of uh, know it offhand. And then the word disciple, 200 times. And the word leader, only six times. So that shows how important being a servant is to God. We must first be a servant. And even Christ, in, in, the, in, uh, in scriptures, he said, he came to serve and not to be served. Christ wants all believers to follow after him by serving others so that his kingdom will be established on earth as in heaven. In serving God's people with sacrifice, love and humility, we are actually the salt and light in this world. God's love is seen through our service, as uh, what the Methodist women are doing in uh, the Kawan project, right? I believe that's a street uh, uh, feeding project, right? And the people on the streets can see God's love through these kind acts of service. Any ministry is servanthood. Anything that we do for God is servanthood, even sweeping the floor. 
I remember this uh, story of my, my schoolmate in ACS Singapore. He was a naughty hat like me, but eventually he became a pastor. So he was uh, the chaplain in charge of GB, and he was telling me, you know, you know how I found my wife? You know, after a GB camp, this girl will be sweeping the floor after everyone has retired, you know, to their rooms or whatever. She will be sweeping the floor every night during the camp. And my friend said, this is going to be my wife. She was only a teenager. So uh, he didn't rob the cradle, right? But he waited for her. Waited for her until she grew up. And he married her. So to be a servant of the Lord doesn't mean you have to do great things, you know, or speak in front of people or, or do, do uh, you know, things which people can see. But you can quietly serve the Lord. And that is why I always uh, remind young people as well, you know, when I, when I teach um, in JS, you know, anything you do for God is service to the Lord. So never think anything is too trivial, too menial. And that is where our humility comes in. So I will very quickly take you through these characteristics of being a servant. Right? Next slide, please. Um, again, this is from JS. Uh, JS Jeremiah School is a very intensive training program for school leavers. And uh, they've been conducting it, conducting it for like I think 20 years or so, many, many years. I've been teaching on making of a leader for the past 10 years. And uh, this is one of, the, one of the things I teach, how to be a servant. You need to be sacrificial. When we talk about sacrificial, I've already uh, um, elaborated earlier on, I shan't go into it. What is excellent? We need to do our best for the Lord because He has given us our best. Don't give God your remnant time. Right? God has given us His Son to die on the cross for us. R is for responsible. You need to deliver. Right? For instance, let's say a servant of the house. Whatever responsibility given, you have to do it, whether sweep the floor, mop the floor, whatever. So as servants of God, we must be responsible to deliver what we are expected to do. Don't make empty promises. To be vigilant, you know, to be servants of the Lord, we, are, we can be under attack by the evil one. And therefore, we must be vigilant. And uh, we must put on our spiritual armour every day, not just once in a while. Accountable, we must be accountable to one another in relationship, especially with those who work with us, right? Whether in the committee, in a team, and we must be humble to accept feedbacks from team members. It's very important that we accept what people tell us, uh, which we may be doing wrong. Um, it's called like constructive criticism. And um, that is where humility kicks in as well. And N stands for non-egoistic, to be humble. That I have also elaborated. T, to be teachable. We must always be willing to learn and improve ourselves. 
There's no end to learning, all right? And so the last part that I'm going to speak on is what we get out of spiritual fervor. When we have spiritual fervor, when we are passionate for the Lord, when we are grounded in God's Word, when we have a good relationship with God, we spend time in prayer, communing with Him, hearing Him, and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us, we will be joyful in hope. From Romans 15, 4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Our hope is from knowing what God has promised us in Scriptures. And right now, I think our hope is in the second coming of Christ. Our hope is in eternal life, eternity, which God promises us. You know, during the pandemic, I'm sure all of you can recall those horrible years of uh, being uh, locked down and, uh, you know, everyone just couldn't do anything. I believe the whole world, in the whole world, many people turned to the Lord. You know, I remember this visual of Jesus carrying the flags of the world. I'm sure some of you received that. Yeah, during COVID, uh, so many things were going around. And that touched me the most. Is Jesus, you know, embracing the whole suffering world, telling the world, I am your hope. And um, I, as I said, I'm very sure many turn to the Lord in hope because nobody knew what's going to happen. Nobody knew whether this is really the end of the world, right? Nobody knew when we're going to get out of the COVID pandemic. But we can only hope in the Lord. And I believe as strong Christians, strong Christians who are close to the Lord, whose spiritual walks and relationships with the Lord are strong, you can still be joyful during the times of the pandemic because we are people with hope. And, um, and so in uh, Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God... Of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit you know when we trust in God trusting in God requires patience right God does not answer all our prayers instantly we all know that sometimes it takes years before God answers a prayer your prayer I remember my friend, she prayed for her husband for 30 years. And I always encourage wives, women, never stop praying for your husband if he's a non-believer. And um, after 30 years, the husband became a Christian. And he claimed to have read all the religious books, Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, whatever. And finally, after 30 years, he concluded that Christianity is the one and only true religion. And so, friends, trust requires patience. And when we are patient in affliction, that is how, you know, we depend on the Lord. It is not our, you know, nothing is in our control when we are facing tribulations and afflictions, right? All of us have gone through 
different kinds of afflictions in life. But we need to practice patience. And patience is trusting the Lord that in His perfect timing, He will answer our prayers. He will make things happen, right? According to His will, not our will. Maybe if we're praying for something and it's not happening at all, change the prayer. You're not praying according to God's will. Of course, you can say, how would I know God's will? Go to scriptures. Go to scriptures. Scriptures reveal God's will to us. You know, recently I had a slight family conflict just two weeks before today. And I discerned that it was a spiritual attack. And um, it came at a time on one of my busiest days when my pastor was away. I had to arrange wake and funeral services for a member. And I, had, I was in the middle of preparing today's sermon. I had an SG meeting that very night. And the attack came, and it was a family uh, relationship conflict. Just to cut the story short, I thank God that I had the patience not to react, not to respond impulsively, which is my nature actually. But of course now, I think I'm a little bit more mature in my spiritual life. I am more patient. I tell my husband, I think uh, I'm 50% more patient he said, uh, I think 30%. <laughs> so I'm still quite impatient. But I thank God on that day, I did not react immediately. I was too busy. And it was just God's timing. And so I couldn't attend to this problem until a few days later. By that time, I discerned more and more why it happened. And in the end, the result was, you know, the, it was resolved. And uh, we were all good. And we all learned from this conflict. And I believe we all matured spiritually. And so friends, to be patient in affliction. Next slide, please. So we endure triumphantly in tribulations. You can be assured when you are patient, you will be victorious. God will make sure of that. And you show restraint in adversity. And in James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So friends, God promises us that when we are patient and when we persevere under trial, right, we will receive blessings from the Lord. Lastly, spiritual fervor prepares us to be faithful in prayer. Friends, there's no other way to, to, um, to keep our spiritual fervor, you know, burning. Prayer is one essential component. As I mentioned earlier, prayer is a very essential component of an intimate relationship with God. And Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. Of course, in prayer, we always include, you know, our praises and our adoration and our thanksgiving to God, right? Not just petitions, not just ask, ask, ask. We must thank God for His blessings every day. And First Thessalonians 5.17 says, 
pray unceasingly. You know, prayer also protects us. You know, there's a, there's a saying, I can't remember who it's from. The devil will flee from the weakest Christian on their knees in prayer. So that's how powerful prayer is. Lastly, I just want to share this uh, quotation by Billy Graham. I, I don't have to tell you who Billy Graham is, one of the greatest evangelists of the world. And uh, he says, We are to pray in times of adversity, lest one become faithless and unbelieving. We are to pray in times of prosperity, lest we become boastful and proud. We are to pray in times of danger, lest we become fearful and doubting. We are to pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. In other words, friends, pray at all times unceasingly. In conclusion, God's will is for us to have spiritual fervor, to serve Him by ministering to His people with sacrifice, love, humility, and devotion. And friends, be contagious to others with your spiritual fervor. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for speaking to us and to remind us, Lord, that your will is for us to serve you fervently, not only through works, but through our lives, through the transformations in our lives, through the sacrifices that we make in our lives. And so, Lord, even as we go through land for the remaining of land, Help us be mindful of the health of our spiritual walk with you, the state of our spiritual walk with you. And Lord, reveal to us the areas in our lives which we need to improve on, which we need to take note of. And so Lord, we just thank you that during this time, we are reminded of your love, your goodness, thanking you for the cross and so Lord I just pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to inspire to motivate every member of Trinity Penang and as they continue to serve you Lord may you bless this church bountifully and may your people bear fruit for your glory and all this we pray in Jesus name Amen